0: for some word today if you have a bible or a bible app uh, go with me to the book of first peter chapter two like to start off with the word so we're not just giving opinion but giving god's thoughts first peter chapter two and we'll read this and i'll just get going you figure out where i'm going as we go it won't be confusing though. First uh, Peter chapter two. Notice with me in verse four, four, four and five. It reads, "Coming to Him, Him is Jesus. There, capital Him, coming to Him as to a living stone." Do you know Jesus is called a living stone? Yeah. Rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Verse five. You also, who also? You also, me also, you also. As living stones. So that's interesting, Jesus is called a living stone and we are called stones. It's kind of like uh, Jesus is the light of the world and we are the light of the world. A lot of terms referenced about Jesus are also then same language used about people who receive him and are in his family. So you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house. Already a living stone, but present tense, being built up a spiritual house. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we see that God is in the work of the activity of building a spiritual And what's he using? Wood and bricks. No, he's using living stones. All right, this house that God is building is is comprised of living stones at his own word. Uh, You might recall that that Jesus made a statement uh, over in the book of Matthew about building the church when he said uh, in Matthew 18, I will build my church and the gates, Matthew 16 and the gates of hell or Hades shall not prevail against it. I, I, my mind works this way. If Jesus is building his church and I'm serving Jesus and I love the Lord, then I ought to be involved in building the church. I, I, he's not doing one thing and I'm with all my heart living for him, yet I'm doing something completely separate. My life on some level or really on the highest level Ought to be involved with the same thing Jesus as the head of the church is involved with. If he's building the church and I'm building something else, uh, we might be missing each other. Oh, I just love to worship the Lord. No, no, you love to sing. (laughs) Well, I just love to go to church. I know, but are you, uh, maybe you just like people. Or the coffee. Or... when we really love the lord or we're serving him we're saying what are you up to what are you doing because what you're doing that's what i need to be doing what's priority to you needs to be priority to me so jesus said i'm building my church so i say okay lord and i'm involved in you building your church i'm building your church and and here in in peter he says he's building a a spiritual house a a spiritual house That's different than an earthly house, a natural house. Um, We build structures. We build things that are temporary. They have a lifespan. They decay. They fall down. They need refurbished. Eventually, they're gone, right? What God is building is eternal. His spiritual house doesn't decay. It doesn't grow old. It doesn't come to an end. It has eternal value. So if we're involved in building this spiritual house, we're involved with God in that, that means a million years from now, what we're building will still be present, will still exist, all right? You may build a house, you may build a, 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 some other kind of building on earth, and how many know a million years from now, I know we can't hardly fathom a million, but a million years from now, how many know no one will remember it? It will be long gone. But what God is building will still exist, because it is not, Temporary exists because in nature, and if ever uh, we spend all of our time building natural, earthly, temporary things, we have missed our eternal purpose. You have a purpose. I have a purpose in life. It is eternal in nature. I don't want all my energy, all my effort, all my thoughts and prayers and money and everything that's involved with my life to all go to something that in a minute is gonna be totally forgotten, obliterated, a pile of ashes. I want to put my life into something that will have lasting value. People think they do on on earth. They wanna build a legacy and build some things that last. But even what lasts on earth, maybe, maybe even multiple generations is still extremely brief. We have the opportunity to be a part of eternal worth and be a part of things that last forever. Now, because of this, we ought to give every effort to this mission. The mission of what? Of God's spiritual house being built. And according to this, we're all building material. Yeah, he's using people, he's using us. We are what he refers to as living stones. Now, look at another passage with me. Uh, left turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians, the second chapter. And I want to read three verses here as well, beginning in verse 19 2 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So he's saying, since you got saved, these Christians in Ephesus, you are, you, you're a believer now. You're no longer an outsider. You're an insider. You're no longer a foreigner. You are citizens and members of God's house. That's what happens when a person gets saved. They are a part of the household of God. Here we go again, though, with the language of household, uh, houses. So we're fellow citizens with the saints. Saints are uh, anyone who's been washed and cleansed in the blood of Jesus. Uh, Verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, uh, that means the revelation that they brought, the truth, Jesus Christ himself stone in whom or in Jesus in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So let's get the let's get God's perspective on what's happening here, what He's doing in the earth. He's building a church. He's building a house. It's a spiritual house. He's using living stones, which are people. And this language says he's putting this whole building together and he's, he's fitting it together. He's, he's making sure everything's in the right place. Every, every person has the proper function and it's creating this holy temple in the Lord. We're being built together for a dwelling place of God. Now, if you've been saved, if you're a believer, I know some of you aren't, but uh, not yet. We hope that you will be soon. Um, uh, but if, if you are a believer, you probably know this, if you've been saved for more than a minute, that you are individually and personally the temple of the Holy Spirit. In other words, God lives in you. One of the great mysteries that was hidden from, for many, many years was that Christ would live in us. Colossians says, Christ in us, the hope of glory, okay? So God indwells those who accept him personally, individually, and permanently. He's not coming and going. If you have a bad day, it doesn't mean God left you. You take comfort. You, take, you are consoled and have great confidence in the fact that he is always there meaning his love's always there, his power's always there, he's there to fulfill his word, he's there to help, right? He is always present in us individually. Yet we see in this passage, this language, that he's putting something together, he's building and fitting something together so he could dwell in it. So it would be a dwelling place of God. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. He already dwells in me, but he also wants to dwell in us. If you're a believer, he does dwell in you. He also wants to dwell in us. What does that take? It takes us being fitted together. It takes us recognizing that he is using us together with other people and we're all being placed in the right order and proper sequence, right position so that when the house is done, he can move in. What do you mean he can move in? In all of his glory and manifest presence and his working becomes unlimited because he's not just in us individually, but he is in us corporately. Some of you have heard me say this in our, in our Wednesday night believers meetings that my, one of my goals is that what happens in these services is not limited to the gifting upon my life or the limited to the gifting of on whoever is speaking or leading the service that night, but that it go beyond an individual gift and it be the manifestation of of God amongst us. Because that's much greater. Because none of us have it all, none of us know it all, none of us have all the giftings and all the callings, but you get us together, if we are God's living stones arranged by Him and and the Lord sees, okay, they're all going in the right place, I'm moving in then we become a habitation of God and the potential of that gathering goes beyond our comprehension. It is Ephesians 3.20, exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. That's what happens when this house is built like this. But if we only recognize our individual part, uh, then we're gonna miss out on God's best. And so um, he dwells in us individually. He also dwells in us then corporately there are two activities there. Have you ever built a house? <laughs> Any of you ever built a house or, or had one built for you and you were involved in some of the planning and, and uh, the materials used, you were probably very particular about quality and design and function and, and you had to think a lot th- through a lot of that and it was all very important to you because you're gonna live there and probably in some situations live there for maybe decades and you wanted it done to your liking, and you wanted things to be done in a proper way, all right? God is also that way. In this spiritual house that he is building, he is very selective, and he wants you, but he wants you in the right place. Sometimes I think we would, we would uh, do well to know that in God's spiritual house, God's spiritual buildings, he chooses the carpet and the paint color and the architecture. He's the ultimate, He's the, the designer in this. It's not that the carpet gets to choose itself. And the carpet says, "You know, I've been down here being walked on all this time. I'd rather, you know, be on the wall. It's a better view. And more people admire you when you're on the wall. And the the carpet doesn't get to chew. What if the carpet said, I'm not going to be on the floor, I'm going to be on the wall? Or the toilet said, I'm always stuck in the bathroom, I want to be in the kitchen. (laughs) Where where there's more happening. Or or maybe in the construction construction process. I know that can go crazy with that illustration. but uh, Or the windows decide, you know, I don't really even want to be in this house. And so you get a house without windows. Where are the windows? Well, they decided not to come. The windows were happy, right? Just right where they were, they had their own life and they didn't need us. Um. (laughs) Well, I know that's kind of crazy, but the problem is with living stones is they do that. They do that. Living stones sometimes say, I don't want to be over here. I want to be over here. This is a better spot. I've been looking at these stones over here. I like them. I want to be like that. And they don't give the master builder the option, the right to choose where they go. Everybody with me? But in their doing so, they mess up the house. And this this great, grand, glorious structure that God is building, this spiritual house, has a bunch of holes in it. It's got a bunch of things in the wrong place. It doesn't feel right. It's not as beautiful as it could be, it's not as functional as it could be, beautiful as it could be, it's not because these living stones think, I'm an American first, and I'm a living stone second. (laughs) So they're voting. Their way. Hallelujah. (laughs) Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9. He said, for we are God's fellow workers... You are God's field, you are God's building. So Paul's using the same language as Peter used in the sense of building. He's calling the people there in Corinth and the church. He said he, he used multiple illustrations, you're a field. He also said, You're a building. You are a building. So we work together for God, not independent of each other. God is built doing something in us. Um, he goes on to say in verse 10: According to the grace of God which was given. To me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. And again, Paul's not talking about constructing physical buildings. Nothing wrong with that. He's not referring to he's a, a master builder in that regard. He's building a spiritual house. I've recognized and have been drawn to this language many times over the years for my own life. And there's something that resonates with me. I don't have the exact calling that Paul did, but there's something that resonates with me in this master builder language. And I think God uses me in this way to build, to build his kingdom, to build his house. And there's something about it where I'm able to see certain things and I'm able to recognize stones and needed components. I can see in a church... uh, uh, you know, again, all with the grace of God and with his help. But we've got a problem over here. We need to shore up this area. This, there's a hole over here. The winds and rain's going to come in. And, and, and we're building a spiritual house in the kingdom of God. And so he enables us to do this. But what's necessary for our house, for really the Lord's house, is that we recognize the working of God on a micro level and on a macro level. Okay, we understand what he's doing with us individually and what he's doing with us corporately. Okay, you have a role and we have a role. Everybody see see how that works? The, The person who only recognizes their individual role, their needs, their giftings, their preferences, they often will diminish and underrate the giftings, the needs, the desires of other people. They come into God's spiritual house and they think, me, I like this, I want this, I need this. You should do this for me. And uh, they have an element of truth because I'll tell you as the pastor, what you need, what you want, what you desire is important to me. But they miss the we part of it. That it's all about me and they miss that it's also about we. So we want to avoid being me-centered and never think about the good of the whole. Everybody okay? I think it would be helpful for us to acknowledge um, our influence in what God is doing, because we all play a part. You're not a dead stone, you're a living stone. It would be good for us to ask the question, what does my involvement in this house, how does it impact the whole? How does it impact others? What does what I do, how does that affect others? Or the things that I don't do, or my lack of involvement, how does that impact the whole? And can I just tell you up front, or in the middle, that both your involvement or lack thereof has an impact on what God's doing because you are a living stone. You matter. Your hand matters, your, your place, your gifting. What, what God wants you to do matters in this house. Did it get quiet in here? Um, on the other side, those who only, so there are those who only see themselves. Me, 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 my needs. Like, like Bob, you know Bob? Uh, what about Bob, what was his name? Bob Wiley, it's an old movie, look it up. Bob was a psychology pa- patient, is that the right way to say that? And he was all about himself and he followed his psychologist on vacation. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, his counselor would say, Bob, I'm on vacation, I'm with my family. He said, but what about my needs? What about my needs? My needs. And it was all about Bob. And, uh, and Bob had, did have needs, but so did the other guy. You have needs. You have things that God wants to do. He, you want him to do in your life. But you're not the only one here. Does that sound harsh? Everybody say, it's not all about me. All it's me. also about We. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes when someone only sees the other side, they only see the, the, the macro, then they often dismiss their own personal role. They think themselves as insignificant. Uh, they assume that someone else is going to handle everything. And they look at it from too, too broad of perspective instead of saying, I am a significant part of what's happening here. We don't want to be in either ditch. I, I read something from uh, Charles Swindoll. He said, this is a story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to do and everybody was asked to do it. Everybody was sure somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody would do it, but nobody realized that, that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. <laughs> everybody get that? <laughs> the truth is, in God's spiritual house, if you are doing nothing... Either someone else is doing double or something is being left undone. Everybody with me on that? Okay, I'll say it again because it's true. You don't have to all agree. I thank you for all the head nods and the yeses, but I'm speaking to the rest. (laughs) There are no insignificant parts in God's spiritual house. Every living stone has a slot. No living stones are left on a pile in the back to be hauled off. Every living stone, that means everyone who says, Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life, living stone. And you have a spot. You carry a role. And so whenever one of us is not in our spot, not doing anything, someone else is doing double time, and they're probably doing something they're not supposed to do. Or something is being left undone, and the storm comes, and our our wall wall of our house is kind of shaky and we live in a dangerous time i think we can see the world around us is not getting kinder towards christians There's there some people out there that you know maybe strong language but hate our guts i think it's demonically inspired nevertheless we have to be strong individually and strong together see we have lots of individuals who are strong in the Lord, personally. You got a great relationship with God. We need that. One reason we need that, because lots of people come here who are not strong in the Lord. And we, they need us to be strong until they can come up and be strong themselves. But we need individual strength, individual uh, revelation and a relationship with God so we can influence others. But then we link arms or we get in our place and we, there's a structure built that is solid as a rock. And no matter what happens, We are a part of a very strong house of God. It's a spiritual house and we will not be blown over. We will not be intimidated. We are locked in with one another. And so the balance of this is we recognize our role within the context of the entire body. It's not just me, it's also we, but it's not just we, there is a me component. You individually, are a part of God's building, praise God. So think about the Lord then, uh, this is his analogy of he's the stonemason, he's building this spiritual house and the language is used of stones. Think about it, that's not the same as putting up a, a lumber wall or, or bricks but stones, a, a, a stonemason has got to do some creative uh, works. Uh, he's got to see this stone fits best right here. And these stones work around that stone and their different shapes and their different sizes. If someone just carelessly slaps them all together, throw them all in there, it's not going to look good and it's not going to be as strong because it will be, you know, the proportions will be wrong with the mortar and the rock, the stones and so forth. It's got to be done just right and God is for sure able to see all and know all. We should never argue with his placement, but trust him that this makes something very strong, solid, and sturdy, praise God. And so he knows where all of us should be, where we're we're the best fit, we can do the most good, we we cause the whole to be strong, and, and, and we trust him. I would say about myself, I, didn't, I did not know, I would not have volunteered to be a pastor years ago. Now I don't wanna do anything else, but I wouldn't have. And the reason for it is because I didn't see what he saw. I viewed myself as incapable. I don't have that within me to be able to do that. Yet he had the, the right to choose and, thankfully I obeyed and and followed his leading even though if you were in my head you would understand ah you can't do that that's uh, you're incapable you're insufficient I was glad my own insecurities didn't keep me out of the will of God you can't afford to be insecure knock that off Be all that God has called you to be. You are sufficient in his grace. You are capable to do what he's called you to do. You are a significant part, a lively stone. And within you uh, is an ability to make God's building his dwelling place. Yeah. And so, uh, again, I didn't think I could do that, but he did. And he does that for you as well. You know why a lot of people are unfulfilled in these days? Uh, even Christians, it's easy for us sometimes to talk about the person who's not yet saved. And we say, you know, there is a God-shaped void within each of us and you need to receive Jesus and he will fulfill and satisfy, you'll never thirst again, right? I, I believe that, I believe that's true. If You're not right with God, you, you need to receive the Lord. That changes everything. But after someone's saved and they have an eternal fulfillment, eternal satisfaction, they know they're right with God going to heaven. I mean, sometimes even believers can get to a place where there seems to be something missing or something's off. There's a lack of fulfillment. And it can happen even when people are very successful in life. They might be be doing well financially. They might have a great family. They might have a lot of good things and others would look on and say, I wish I was like them. They really have it all together. They really have it all going. But there's something in you that recognizes what you're doing is not eternal. There's not enough of your effort, of your gifting, of your ability, of your resources creating something that's going to last beyond your lifetime. And not just on earth, but in, in eternity. That produces and unfulfillment. People are unfulfilled because they are missing their eternal purpose. Each and every one of us have an eternal purpose. We lean on earthly endeavors to satisfy a spiritual need, okay? But we have to be in the right place to fulfill a spiritual role. Now, if you've ever caught yourself thinking, well, I'm just trying to keep my marriage together, or I'm just trying to get some debts paid off, or I'm just struggling with this issue at work, or I've got these goals and, and, uh, and so I'm not really in a, very, a place to be very useful by God. And what happens in that mentality is eternal things keep getting pushed off. They keep getting pushed down the road until everything's perfect. Soon as I get this, it's kinda like the person who says, as soon as I get my, my car paid off, I'm going to start tithing. Well, first of all, no, you're not. That's, that contradicts Jesus' very statements about being faithful with little and faithful with much. And, and uh, you'll be the same person once your car's paid off. And it'll be older, and you'll want a new one. <laughs> but that mentality of I'll do this when, almost like God is saying to us, as soon as your life is Come see me. As soon as everything is in perfect order and you have no issues whatsoever, then I can use you. How many know he wouldn't have used anyone yet? He is not waiting for you to get all your mess straightened out before you offer yourself as a as a vessel for him to use. He's not waiting. And sometimes when we think, I'm just trying to work on my marriage, just my kids are having struggles. I got these things going on. And as soon as that, then I'll be more, I'll be in a healthier place for for God to do something or for me to use what I am able to do for eternal purposes. Have you ever thought that everything in life is more difficult when you are, uh, when your eternal purpose is underserved? that we think I've got to get this fixed so I can do something else, but the lack of doing that something else is making it harder for this to get fixed. There might be extreme scenarios where someone's laid up in the hospital and they can't move. (laughs) But for the most part, I mean, 99% of the things we deal with, God can work to our betterment and help us while we serve our eternal purpose we will more quickly overcome challenges or trials while we are serving him. And we are not disqualified from being used in eternal matters while we also are growing, are overcoming, are working on our own stuff. In fact, there's a principle in the word of God. You can read, I won't tell you, the details now, but if you'll put God's house and his business first in your life, then he will take care of yours. And too often we say, Lord, we gotta get my house in order and then we'll get to your stuff. And it's exactly opposite of his plan. It is perfectly opposite. It's the best way to fail. (laughs) You wanna lose in life, do that. Keep thinking like that. Keep pushing good stuff off. Keep putting the Lord in the back seat. Keep putting the building of his church and his spiritual house off for later. And work on your own kingdom. Build your own kingdom. Hallelujah. We need to get his purposes in the forefront. While we do that, while we're yielded to him, Lord, I'm your living stone. Put me in my place, get me in my spot. And while we're there, it's amazing how many things will flow your way that'll help you in your personal life too. It all works together if we trust in his plan being accomplished in our lives. Why don't you say this with me today? Say, God is working on a building I am a part of this plan. plan. In his design, design, I have a place. I have a a role, role. An an active function to fulfill.